Open your Bibles to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 44. We are going to be looking at the entire section of Scripture here. This is our continuation of our Sunday evening sermon series on the life of Joseph. Joseph was the next to last, the 11th son of Israel, also known as Jacob. And he was the favorite, and he's now the prime minister in Egypt. In Israel, his father thinks he's dead. And what we're about to see here is how in many ways Joseph is uh, uh, almost playing games, doing a test with his sons. And I think the main principle, I think God is going to speak to you and I tonight from this message is the danger of sorcery, the danger of divination, the danger of fortune telling and Ouija boards and trying to predict the future and turning to other types of witchcraft and magic and um, omens, any possible way to search out the future without turning to the Lord. God does not want to tell us and reveal us the future. All we need to know as Christians, all God has revealed to us is right here in this book. We take confidence in the Word of God. We stand on the Word of God. We base our future, our salvation, our eternity, our families, our church. We are rooted in this book. Everything else around us, the media, the culture, our our country, it could be going the opposite way. But you as a believer, you need firm footing on this book. So... This evening, we're going to look here at the danger of what, in many ways, has crept into our nation of the sin of divination or witchcraft. And it's all around us. And it's something you see on TV. You see it in the movies. You hear it in the music. You see it when you go shopping. Anything to do with magic and with some type of knowing the future or getting insights into something that is supernatural is wrong and sinful. And God condemns it. So that's going to be tonight's message. I want you to open up your Bibles. We're going to be looking at a couple of different scriptures here. We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 44, as well as we're going to be flipping over a little bit and looking at Deuteronomy chapter 18. Verse 1. God's Word tells us here. This is with Joseph. Joseph commanded his steward. He's the prime minister of Egypt. Fill the men's bags with as much food as they can carry and put each one's silver at the top of his bag. This is the second time his brothers have come to visit him. Put my cup, the silver one, at the top of the youngest one's bag along with the silver for his grain. So he did as Joseph told him. At morning light, the men were sent off with their donkeys. So his brothers... They're heading out. His 11 brothers are headed back home to Canaan, the promised land where their father Israel, also known as Jacob, lives. They had not gone very far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, Get up, pursue the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, Why have you repaid evil for good? So he's, he's basically playing a game with them. He's laying a plot with them. Isn't this the cup that my master drinks from 
and uses from divination, what you have done is wrong. When he overtook them, he said these words to them. And they said to him, so now the steward, the assistant, Why does my Lord say these things? Your servants could not possibly do such a thing. It's like, why would we steal? We would never steal from the promise. We are just, we're just farmers here buying, buying grain for our families back home in Israel. Why would we be here stealing my master's cup? They couldn't have imagined that occurring. We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the silver we found at the top of our bags. How could we steal silver or gold from your master's house? So these, these brothers know we're completely innocent. We would not do such a thing. If it is found with one of us, your servants, he must die, and the rest of us will become my Lord's slaves. So they're so confident. They do not steal anything. They're raising their hands saying, If you found anything that I've stolen from you, I will, that person will die, and I, as a brother, will become your slave. We would not do such. We're just trying to get out of here. The steward replied, What you have said is right, but only the one who is found to have it will be my slave, and the rest of you will be blameless. So the steward has a deal here, and we're going to search the bags. And whoever has the cup, the silver cup, he will be the one to become the slave. So each one quickly lowered a sack to the ground and opened it. The steward searched, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Benjamin is the youngest. He's the baby. He's younger than Joseph. It's his little brother. And they planted it in there. And they, you know, they're starting with the old. They're starting with Reuben. And they're just going down. And sure enough, they arrive right there at Benjamin. And they think, oh, no. Benjamin won't be able to return and come back to see Father. See, they're trying to honor their father's request. And their request is just, if you let Benjamin go to get grain with you with from the prime minister, the one condition is he must return. And the fear here is that now, obviously, he's become a slave to the prime minister in Egypt. Then they tore their clothes, and each one loaded his donkey and returned to the city. So they're going back to Egypt. This is just heartbreaking for them. You know, the first time they went down there to buy grain, they came back and they discovered when they got home, oh no, we still have our silver. And the second time, no, they still have their silver. Now they have a silver cup. So it looks like Benjamin is stolen from the prime minister. When Judah and his brothers reached Joseph's house, he was still there. He fell, they fell to the ground before him. So over and over again, we keep seeing these brothers are bowing down, fulfilling that prophecy that they will be bowing down before. They're bowing down before him. What have you done, Joseph said to them? Didn't you know that a man like me could uncover the truth by divination? Divination, that's an Egyptian practice. Now, Bible does not say that Joseph actually practiced divination because he's a Hebrew. 
He's an Israelite. He wouldn't. He wouldn't do that. It's condemned in Scripture. But that is a common practice among the Egyptians. That means they can predict the future. They can receive insights from other things. So that what Joseph's saying is, hey, I'm a powerful man. I have access. I have magicians. And if you stole from me, they would tell me. Divination would reveal the truth through spells and through giving me supernatural knowledge and insight. What can we say to you, my Lord? Judah replied. Remember Judah, he's probably the most noble of all the brothers. He's very loyal to his father. He's the fourth son of his father. So he speaks up. Remember, he's the one also that said, Dad, I will be totally responsible for Benjamin. If he doesn't come back, I will sell my children as slaves. Now, that's not, very, uh, that's not very loyal to your children if you're already ready to give them away as slaves. But he's pleading with his father to bring Benjamin there to get grain for their family. And now the worst has happened. So Judah's having, basically, he cut the deal. He's having to step up. And then he makes the statement. He says, how can we plead? How can we justify ourselves? He's saying, uh, Prime Minister, sir, we will do whatever we take. Like, I can't believe my younger brother Benjamin would steal from you. This makes no sense. We're just farmers here to buy food. God has exposed your servants' iniquity. They're now confessing their sins, and they didn't even do it. Joseph's playing a game with them at this point. We are now my Lord's slaves, both we and the one whose possession the cup was found. Then Joseph says, so Judah is trying to say, look, we'll all stay here, including Benjamin. We'll all take account for this. We're all into slavery under this. And Joseph spoke up saying, I swear that I will not do this. The man in whose possession the cup was found will be my slave. The rest of you can go in peace to your father. Joseph is playing a game, and he basically got Benjamin. He knows Benjamin is the most loved, because they think Joseph's dead. His father would not want to give up Benjamin. Now Joseph's saying, I've got Benjamin. You other ten guys, y'all just going home to dad. I'll keep this one here with me, because he stole my cup. And the principle, I think, is Joseph is claiming because I, he's, he's got them fooled so much by this divination. He under, he's saying, I practice Egyptian magic, so I would know things you wouldn't know. And that just keeps them, uh, obviously, they don't understand it's their brother because they know divination, Joseph would never do such. That's an Egyptian Egyptian. Um, occult practice that they would certainly uh, participate in. Now, I want to take a break here and actually talk about what does the Bible say about the occult. Because we are surrounded by the occult, but it is disguised. Anytime you deal with magic, fortune-telling, knowledge of the future, supernatural insights, anything apart from God's Word, that is what if you're trying to get knowledge apart, not supernatural knowledge, 
apart from the scripture, you are dabbling, you are dealing with the occult. And if you watch TV shows, if you participate in activities, if you practice in witchcraft, Wiccan, it's all around us. You're dabbling in the occult. And the Bible condemns it. It is very clear. In fact, I'll tell you, first of all, it's condemned in Leviticus 19.26. It says, anybody who's trying to practice this type of witchcraft is condemned. You should not do it. Avoid it. But then when the Israelites, when when they took the promised land from the Canaanites, one of the reasons the Bible tells us that God condemned the Canaanites and that he gave Israel, Joshua, as they came into the promised land, they gave them this land, is because the Canaanites, what were they practicing? They were practicing the occult practices. I want to read this scripture here for you. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9. It says, When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, do not imitate the detestable customs of those nations. The detestable customs are they are not praying and seeking the Lord. We are to worship. The first commandment is we must worship the Lord, our God, alone. There is only one God. There is only one person we worship. Our prayers are, should be directed. Our thoughts, our attention are directed to the Lord, to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit. God has revealed himself in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That is what we call the Trinity. That is who God is. Any other type of worship, any other type of prayers, any other type of attention we give to some other form of acquiring answers or hope or knowledge is what we would call divination. It's witchcraft. And the Bible condemns it. He says, the land of the Canaanites... You took. That's what they were doing. He says, these are detestable customs. What's powerful about this is this is what's dangerous for us. Okay, if the, we know the Canaanites practiced this. And we know the Egyptians practiced this, what Joseph told us. If it didn't work, if the occult was a total hoax, if it was phony baloney, And there was nothing with witchcraft, magic, sorcery. Then we wouldn't even been talking about it. That's like us saying, you know what, L8 here, if you pray to it, and then you pour it on the ground, it grants you a wish. That might make a great YouTube video. Might make a big mess. But you couldn't create a, a movement and make movies and create cultures built around it. People wouldn't keep doing that. But with witchcraft, throughout human history, we see it. So, and it's still active today. It's all around us. It's in the movie. It's it's dominated by the media. I believe the reason why is because it works. There is truth with witchcraft and sorcery. There's something to it. It's possible to cast spells, to get knowledge, supernatural knowledge of the future. But the problem with that 
It's not from the Lord. Who's it from then? How would someone wanting to know the future, practicing sorcery, be able to access this? It's not from God. And the answer is from the devil. The devil is the author. He's the maker. Satan is the one that promotes sorcery. That is why God condemns it in the Old Testament and in the book of Revelation is condemned. The Old and New Testament condemned this. It is something that has been around centuries, millennia. And the problem for, for us is we have to realize this is an occult practice that is active today and that is influencing your children and your grandchildren. If you watch TV and you watch the movies, you laugh jokes about it, you see it happen all around us, any form of magic, any form of something that, that appears this way, but it's not really. There's this other access point of gaining knowledge is divination. No one among you is to sacrifice his son or daughter in the fire. That's child sacrifice. That occurred in the Old Testament. The Bible condemns it. This is why abortion is so wrong. This is why we stand against infanticide. Killing children is condemned in Scripture. Practice divination, tell fortunes, interpret omens, practice sorcery. Cast spells, consult a medium or spiritist, or inquire of the dead. We are not to inquire of the dead. We do not try to call up spirits. King Saul, he, when he was condemned to death, he went to a medium who, who brought up, of all people, Samuel from the dead, who then told him he's about to die, who condemned him and condemned him from bringing him up from the dead. God, I believe, allowed him to have that. Even Samuel, who was dead, the prophet Samuel, was more righteous. He came up as a ghost, was more righteous than King Saul, who was trying to contact the dead through a medium. Everyone who does these acts, look at this, is detestable to the Lord. And the Lord your God is driving out the nations before you because of these detestable acts. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. Though these nations you are about to drive out, listen to fortune tellers and diviners. The, look at this. The Lord your God has not permitted you to do this. You as a Bible-believing Christian, you need to throw this stuff out of your house. You need to turn it off the TV. You don't need to buy and purchase those video games, those movies. There's nothing for you to that because it's an act, a form of Satanism. It's, ta it's, it's tapping into a power. It's working. I mean, it worked for King Saul. It worked for the Canaanites. It worked for the Egyptians. And many Americans, many people probably here in Lexington, are using witchcraft. And they're using it as a form of literally Satanism. They might not realize that. Many of them do. They're very aware of this power. And it leads people to hell. 
And we as Bible-believing Christians, we as born-again believers, we have no part in this. It's a detestable act. God condemns it. So does Satan have power? Absolutely he has power. He will do any possible thing to lead people astray. And divination is certainly one of those, any, any form of, of sorcery with that. You know, rebellion, when someone actually practices this, you're actually telling God no. You're saying, God, I don't want truth. I don't want to live by your word. I want to live by the lie the devil tells. You know, the dangerous thing about the devil is there's always a small grain of truth in what he says. I've heard it say even a broken clock is right twice a day. So what happens is the devil does reveal a small grain of truth for people who are practicing witchcraft. So it keeps them hooked. They realize, oh, this is real. It worked. All the other things sucked me in. It's like, it's like carrying around a snake. Eventually, it's going to bite you. It might be your friend a few minutes. It might not be aggressive at always, but you will get bit. Those practicing this get bit. They get struck. Keep going back here in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 44. We're here in number verse 18. Now, we're going to pick back up. Joseph has revealed that he knows the truth by Egyptian practice. I don't believe he actually practiced divination. I believe what's happening here is he's trying to keep a mask, keep himself fooled so his brothers do not know. But Judah here, we're about to see, this is the longest speech in the Bible from one of the brothers, and it's Judah. Remember, anytime we use the word Jew, we're talking about people from the descendants from Judah. So Jesus came from Judah. In the, Old, in the Old Testament, the prophet Daniel came from Judah. But Judah approached him and said, My Lord, please let your servant speak personally to my Lord. Do not be angry with your servant, for you are like Pharaoh. So they acknowledge, hey, you are right under Pharaoh. But I'm going to have to, he's going to try to negotiate. He's going to try to cut a deal. We need to, we need to make something happen. And we answered, my Lord, we have an elderly father and a younger brother, the child of his old age. The boy's brother is dead. He is the only one of his mother's sons left, and his father loves him. Meaning Joseph's dead. We got this boy named Benjamin. He's the last one left. He's setting up. He's basically retelling the story of his family. But we said to my Lord, the boy cannot leave his father if he were to leave, his father would die. Then you said to your servants, If your younger brother does not come down with you, you will not see me again. This is what happened when we went back to your servant. My father, we reported to him the words of my Lord. But our father said, Go again and buy us a little food. We told him, We cannot go down unless our younger brother goes with us. If our younger brother isn't with us, we cannot see the man. So they're, uh, they're trying to show, we honored your request. Your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons. One is gone from me, I said. He must have been torn to pieces, and I have never seen him again. If you also take this one from me, and 
anything happens to him, you will bring my gray hairs down to Sheol, that's down to death in sorrow. Meaning, he's retelling what his dad said. He said, my dad said he would die if he loses his last son. And now you're saying he's going to have to become his slave. So if I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, his life is wrapped up with the boy's life. When he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. Then your servants will have brought the gray hairs of your servant, our father, down to Sheol in sorrow. Your servant became accountable to my father for the boy, saying, If I do not return him to you, I will always bear the guilt for sinning against you. Now please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy. So Judah's trying to say, if you're following what he's saying, whatever you do, just let me serve in his place. My father, if I go back without his youngest son, Benjamin, he will die. We'll take the boy's place. For how can I go back to my father without the boy? I could not bear to see the grief that would overwhelm my father. So we see a very compassionate plea from Judah. And I think the principle we see here is Joseph's really going to see, have my brothers changed? You know, they were willing 15, 20 years earlier, they were willing to leave me in a cistern, then leave me sold into slavery to go out and tell this lie that I have been killed and I've got the coat of many colors. But they're not willing. They refuse to do the same to Benjamin. Joseph is looking to see, did my brothers change? Have they repented? Are they different from they used to be? What it used to be like. They, they spoke up here for Benjamin, but they did not speak up 20 years ago. You know, age softens people's hearts. You have a more forgiving spirit. When they were young, 15, 20 years earlier, they were all about just, just we don't like this guy. Let's get rid of him. He's prideful and arrogant. He thinks we're going to bow down to him. Now, all of a sudden, they have a compassionate attitude towards their youngest brother, Benjamin. Judah believed Joseph would accept him rather than Benjamin as his slave. And one of the reasons why is Benjamin was a boy. Judah was a grown man. So if you had to pick, if you were going to pick a slave and you wanted someone to serve you, who would you pick? You would probably pick and select Someone like Judah. Benjamin wouldn't make a great slave. And I think the principle for us is Joseph is listening. He's watching all this play out with the one thing in the back of his mind. He's thinking, have my brothers changed? And the answer is yes, they had. These were different brothers than the ones that sold Joseph into slavery. They had compassion for their father. They wanted to honor their father's request. Their hearts sank when they realized, oh no, Benjamin has stolen the king's cup. 
what is going on here. And I think for us, tying all this together, is there someone maybe from 15, 20 years ago you need to forgive? Maybe you held a grudge. Maybe you had a certain attitude towards them. But now you have forgiven them. Joseph, I'm sure, in his early days, while he was in that prison, while he was uh, being falsely accused by Potiphar, he probably had built up some resentment towards his brothers. He had not seen them. But he knows he was in slavery because of them. But the Lord was with them. God blessed him. And now he has an opportunity to forgive them. And he's certainly doing that. Judah has no clue that he's talking to his brother. And I think for us, who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to change your attitude towards? Do you need to step up and speak up like Judah did? Maybe you know of someone practicing divination. You know of someone involved in witchcraft and things that are wrong and sinful. And you need to go to them and warn them about their sin. Maybe you know of someone here in this new year that is living their life without Christ. And Jesus calls us with every opportunity we can to point people to his son. God calls us to point people to his son, Jesus. Only by Jesus are we saved. Our future is secure with the Lord. Our prayers are answered through the Lord. You want hope and confidence in the future? It's the Lord. God's telling us to have a forgiving spirit like Judah did and the other brothers and to live a life that is God-honoring, God-pleasing. One of the great things also we see in this passage is Judah is honoring his father. We are called to honor our father and mother. We do that by paying our respects to them. We do that by uh, certainly um, honoring their requests like Judah's doing and speaking up and saying, hey, I'll be the slave. Let Benjamin go back and, and be with his father. Joseph saw his brother's heart's and they changed. He did not seek revenge. You should not be a revengeful person. You've been hurt. Someone has cheated, lied, stolen from you. And your answer is, I forgive you. I'm not going to hold it against you. Jesus did that to you. We forgive others. I want to lead us in a prayer. I want you to consider making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Are you saved? Have you trusted Him as your Savior? Maybe you've been practicing divination. Maybe you have been involved in this witchcraft that's so old. It's of the devil. God's calling you out of it. Maybe you've been harboring the sin of resentfulness. Resentfulness and hatred and anger towards people who've hurt you. We see all of these things. Divination is wrong. Joseph had a forgiving spirit. Holding to a revengeful heart is wrong. Christ forgives us so we can be washed of 
the grip of the devil, and we can have a forgiving attitude towards others. I want you to pray and receive Christ as your Savior. Dear Jesus, you pray along with me. I know I'm a sinner. Save me from the grip of the devil. Lord, give me a forgiving heart. Lord, I want to live for you. From this day on, I'm yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to hear from you. We have online connection card. If you prayed and received Jesus, you complete that and let me know. God hears and answers prayer. I hope to see you. We meet here on Wednesday night at 6.30 and on Sunday mornings at 10.30, right here in person. You can always check us out online on Facebook as well as on our podcast. You can listen to the audio, any any of the major audio players, podcast players. God bless you. I will see you Wednesday evening here at Broadway.